and welcome to this latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Lucy Chamberlain. And me, Saul Walker. Now that autumn is making itself known to us, it seems a natural time to reflect on times past and look forward to new ventures ahead. So, with that in mind, we'd like to give a nod to these recent few months by simultaneously embracing what lies in front of us, both practically and at our respective gardens, and by assessing how this exciting industry that we've decided to devote our professional lives to is evolving and thriving. So many of us are showing this sector's true grit by quietly propagating new stock, dreaming up fresh initiatives, looking to new ways of working and generally supporting the trade. And our aim via this podcast is to muse on developments and showcase these horticultural heroes. We'll bring you two short 20-minute episodes each week, plus a longer bonus monthly interview. What more of a reason do you need to join us on this journey? Let's once again step into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello Lucy, how's it all going? Well, do you know, so it's going really well. I feel quite organised. It's a nice time of year when jobs are getting ticked off and things aren't running away from me. And yeah, you know, the garden's looking nice and tidy. We're, we're, we're getting all the, the leaves tidied up and um, getting some... Leaves are falling, aren't thinking, they? Thinking yep. about pruning and got a few projects on the go. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all nice at the moment. Thank you. What's the term? A fruitful mellowness going on throughout the land, I guess. <laughs> That's very good. That's very appropriate. Yeah. And the yeah. temperatures are still, you know, it's a bit, it's a, it's a weird time of year. And actually my apprentice, Claire, is just getting used to the working outdoors at this time of year. Because in the morning you could be fully layered up. And I know you in Essex, you love about 20 layers. But then by the time it gets to 10, it gets, starts getting a bit warm. And then the layers come off. And then suddenly by well, about lunch, it can feel like late summer again in some, in so, in, on some yeah. days. That's, that's the beauty of the layers, Saul. You know, you can put them on, you can take them off and you can regulate your body temperature at this time of year when things are, like you say, sometimes mild and sometimes a bit, you know, dank first thing in the morning. And if the wind gets up at this time of year from a northerly direction, it's pretty, pretty rubbish, isn't it? So, so yeah, for me, layers are the way and a nice windproof layer on top of my waterproofs is uh, is how i like to 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 roll it, it is so. surprising what the wind direction does you, you're oh, you're absolutely massively. right if it's if it's coming from the north or the east you might as well yeah. just keep your jumper yeah. on all day yeah well especially us on the we're on the you know the east anglian coastline yeah. there if it's coming anyway from scandinavia which we, where my cousin lives then yeah you know hold on it's going to be it's going to be unpleasant or, or like you say northerly um so what? Tell me what? Because I, I can say I'm quite honest. I wear loads of layers in the at least four on the top and and, and definitely two on the bottom. <laughs> what do you? So what do you have on? I have a pair of trousers. <laughs> no, I have more than a pair of trousers. <laughs> I have a pair of trousers, a shirt, and I crack out my jumper at some point at this sort of <sighs> end of October into November. It, the, again, I'm going to sort of big up the West Country mild climate. I was going to say though, you West Country boy. Yeah. <laughs> so it does depend, but I don't. I, the thing is, I I know a lot of people like to have their thermals and they and like you, you're not the only one. A lot of people do wear, mm. um, you know, their layers. I've just it's, it's, it's just never to. appealed to me. I you know, firstly, I am a large man, which which helps. You're a big burly boy. I've aren't got you? a few, so I've got a few right. layers that I can't take off. Let's just you, let's just say that <laughs> you know, over the posterior and the and around the uh, 
the gut region is that the is that the area right. so those that's that's good insulation but um i don't know and the, and the other thing is i i know a lot of people like to wear full waterproofs but i actually find them quite restrictive oh what you're just boasting now because no but you get hang on you don't wear waterproofs. I wear a coat. And you're the West Yeah, country. exactly. How, the, how come you don't go mouldy? Well, that's, yeah, that is true. I do smell like a uh, like a wet dog by the end of the uh, by the end of the day. <laughs> but um, oh, do you know, I'm glad I'm glad we do this podcast virtually. Yeah, yeah that's true. But um, no, I don't mind. I don't actually don't mind getting a bit. I do mind getting soaked. You know, the wet that mm. really penetrates all the areas yeah but um i don't mind getting a little bit damp uh, you know it, it gives me a wash as they say <laughs> oh my goodness. do you know what to be fair though when i first started as a, a full-time gardener i spoke to my husband and i asked him because he was all he'd already been a full-time gardener for quite a long quite a few years and i said what happens in the wet weather and he said and it's true he said there's very few days where you actually get rained off completely yeah yeah and that is true and there are on those days i'm very lucky that i have a few strings to my bow so i'm not just a gardener i'm a writer as well and i do other bits and bobs and because i'm self-employed rather than uh you know full-time i i can chop my days around so if i can see in the forecast that the day is going to be full-on wet from eight till five then i will make that a writing day or i will do something else mm, so, that does help so it's, it? Mm. it does it, i'm I'm so lucky to have that flexibility it really does help but as i say even that that there's so few days when you actually are rained off completely yeah as a gardener. and i think if it starts heavy showering you just go and stand under a tree and yeah. amuse have a have it's, a good think about things cogitate that's what it's all about. That's yeah. it. There's a lot of stuff going in our head gardener brains all, all the time. We're, we're, you know, people might think that you've zoned out and you're thinking maybe about what you're going to have for tea that night when you're standing under the tree watching all the rain pitter a patter around you. But actually, what you're doing, you're thinking about renovations and planting plans and and what can happen in the garden next year. That is a great link, Lucy. You, you, we've been doing this podcast for a bit now because you're linking things in great because that is the subject. See what I did? Yeah, I see what you did. Slick. That is the subject of tonight's podcast. We, it's this time of year is a great time to start thinking about those renovation projects you're going to do on borders, or at least yeah. starting to think about the kind of editing or the kind of additions you want to make to planting schemes throughout the garden because the years sort of come to an end so the planting and the the plants have done their thing but they're still there and you can start having a really good plan about how you're going to move things what's going to come out what's going to be added and to be honest this is a great time to do it because by um the winter you're actually going to start removing all the top growth on herbaceous plants etc so you probably lose a sense of what's going on so it's now is a great time and i and i know it's a great time because lucy i know that you have just started or or have you finished i don't know you've done you're renovating a bed at east onland aren't you we are yeah i mean i've, I've, I've very very briefly touched on this in the in past episodes but but we are renovating massively our blue cedar bed so it's um it's quite close to the front entrance of the house so and it's very very um close in proximity to the to the main driveway uh, you you drive past it and um so all the visitors to the house get to see this wonderful bed but at the moment actually it's looking a bit shoddy it's devoid of things because we've deliberately cleared some plants out 
Um, and then what we've been busy doing is forking over the earth, adding some bone meal, enriching it. With, when, when it was dry a few, a few, a few weeks, if not months ago, we were, had the seat poses on to irrigate it, to really wet it up, getting it ready for planting. And, um, this bed has a, a color theme to it. It has, um, predominantly variegated white and yellow and a little bit of purple but not too much purple it's mainly the yellows the goldens and the and like i say the sort of white variegation that we're going for and i say we've got this massive big cedar tree that must stand at least uh 20 meters tall if not if not more it's a very mature specimen and so and we're on light sandy soil which again i've mentioned before in the podcast so we are in that area trying to plant up things that are relatively drought resistant i am going to put seep hose under this bed because i do want the the new plantings to really get a foothold and we do in very dry spells you know any plant massively will struggle under that bed um you get the needles falling from the cedar which makes a nice mulch but the root system of that of that tree my goodness it does suck moisture out there like you would not believe so though my long-term plan is to get seep hose under there which doesn't have at the moment so um and it has a shady side and it has a sunny side. Yeah. So we've got um, a lovely, interesting mix of plants going on. Now, your yellow asphodel, which I know you absolutely Ooh, love. Adore it, beca- yes. Because you've mentioned it so much, it's going to feature on the sunny side of Ooh. the cedar bed. So I thought you'd be pleased to know that. It's going to add the vertical interest. Oh, nice brilliant. And oh, and, and, and yep. I'll tell you what, it gets quite large. And mm-hmm. the great thing about it is you can, you can grow it from the seed. So you can get absolutely hundreds nice. of plants. Have you got the plants already? Um, we are in the middle of ordering them from Howard's Nurseries. Oh, I was going to so... say, because I've got a load of spare plants if I could oh, get no. them to you somehow. Oh, mm. well, let's, anyway. let's, let's speak. Let's, let's do a deal on the back I'll, of the I'll get of my people to talk this. to your yeah. people <laughs> and we can I mean, find out a way. That's you and me, isn't it? We <laughs> yeah, haven't got people. It's just you and me. Let's make a, we sound, we sounds quite grandiose, but it's just you and me after this, we've stopped pressing record, we can have a little chat. Do you know, I so. wish we had people. It would make our lives so much easier. Um, uh, but yeah, that's that's what we've got going on at the moment. So we've chosen, essentially, what the, the process that we've had, I need to be very careful when I put new plants into the garden. I've, I've, I, the, the owners like to be involved in the planting ideas, which is absolutely how it should be. You know, they're, they're passionate garden uh, lovers. It's it's their property. So, so I've put together way back a planting list this was before lockdown way back in february march we were going to plant it up in at that time so the planting list has been approved um i've i've uh, then categorized it into shade loving and sun loving i've handed over the design to jade our apprentice because she loves the positioning of plants so well, she's nice. really really enjoyed learning about the plants that i've put in the list and understanding their textures their forms their their colors their seasons of interest so She's put together some planting plans. I've been looking at those and sort of signing them off and saying yes, or just making little modifications and tweaks here and there. And, uh, yeah, Howard's are our main, uh, supplier, uh, wholesaler in East Anglia that we're going to be going to be using. Uh, sometimes they have plants in pots. Sometimes they've got a lot of bare rootstock, which makes the, the cost massively, massively in our favor because it's a large area to plant. We're talking, we worked out there's about 50 square meters to plant up, which is a quite a decent size of a bed. And yeah, over the next few few weeks or so, we will get the plants in and we're also going to put some bulbs in, lots of narcissi because of the color theme. And we want to extend the season of interest way into the spring, aconites, narcissi, um, all, all sorts of little treats as well. Lots of woodland plants we're going to get in there, erythroniums, um, uh, maybe some, uh, well, I'd say I'm not quite sure yet because we've got to, 
the, the more delicate stuff hasn't quite been signed off by the family. So I, I, I need to be a bit careful what I say what exactly going to go in there. But my, my idea is like a woodland carpet, a tapestry of all sorts of lovely, sumptuous things. So we'll see how it goes. Sounds beautiful. I th- renovation is, is quite a key skill and task, I think, both amateur mm. and professional gardeners. I think it's one of those things that's misunderstood because everyone knows how to put in a border or they know the plants they want. And mm. for someone like me at Stonelands, we had ours designed, you know, by quite a high-end designer. So there is already a palette of plants there. And the temptation is to just leave it to do what it does but i don't think people understand borders are living breathing evolving Mm. things they change every year i'd say out of all the plants that were put in during the design and uh, build phase of the the uh, herbaceous borders at stonelands we we probably lost about 30 percent of the plants now not through being a really bad head gardener although you know the jury's out on that (laughs) They're not. They're back in and they're giving you the thumbs up. You're Th- that's very kind, Lucy. My people are taught to your people. Um, All right. <laughs> but um, it, it is just the way borders work. Plants move around. You'd be surprised mm. how much the design of a border will change just by things uh, dying or self-seeding elsewhere. Uh, you know, if I took photos of the beds as they were eight years ago to compare to today, they're completely different. So... Yeah. Keeping in mind that you always need to be thinking about how you're going to renovate uh, a, a border. And, and when we say renovate, we're not talking wholesale, take everything out and restart. What we're talking about is that subtle editing and switching things up and splitting things up or, or, or even knowing when to change part of a scheme that isn't working. I think one of the, one of the uh, pitfalls, especially when you've got a design garden by a big-name designer, is not to think, well, that's not working. I think sometimes you think, oh, another year, I'll leave it another year, I'll leave it another yeah. year. It'll mm. work one day. But if a part of a border or a part of your garden isn't working change it because the example of when to plant a tree being 30 years ago is best and then second best is today is this it comes with the borders a border takes many years to mature if you leave it it's just going to take many more years for you to get your perfect border so if something isn't working you know take the ball by the horns and go and renovate that bit of the border uh, you yeah. know what's the worst you can do is it won't work again and you have to keep going again. That's one of the delightful parts of our job in some ways is that we're constantly experimenting and involving the borders ourselves. But yeah, yeah. renovation is, is is really important. Um, and I think some gardens, and we all know we've been to some gardens, especially historic gardens, where if they've not quite got the renovation process the cycle right and you can see and we call it tired planting the planting looks very tired uh, mm. things have got woody or there's just big holes where you knew there was herbaceous or the classic is where you see a big crown forming herbaceous plant obviously has dead plant in the middle and it forms this ring because you know that they haven't been split up mm. so it's essential to understand when you need to go and make that intervention in the border yeah. to keep it mm. fresh to keep it lively and it's it's a really great time now now the way i do it 
is that I had to go because because we've got this these beautiful bamboo you know my bamboo canes we've got a hundred bamboo I've canes I've admired them I've even touched them <laughs> um <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> I did though. They're lovely. They're very strokeable. They are very strokeable. <laughs> anyway, because I've got all these bamboo canes, I actually use them to um, putting canes into the borders where I want things to happen. Yeah. Because again, um, by February, I've chopped everything down. And then by having the canes in the beds, I know exactly where I want to move things, plant things. Um, and I use that in combination with photographs I've taken to just to remind me of the things that I need to do. Oh, we we do the same. We do the same. Just sorry to break, but just to say, you know, like you said, that is a, such a good idea because our herbaceous borders. We've got the hot and the cold border at East Dunham. They're massive, massive borders. At least. Oh, 15, 20 metres long each and uh, about three, four metres deep. And, and by the time you get to the winter, though, everything in there has been raised to the ground. That's what we do with our borders. We act on them in the autumn rather than the spring. So we've, we've gone in there and chopped everything down. And then, as you say, you're looking at this bare earth thinking, what? I knew I, I, I thought I'd remember what it would look like, you know, in the summer. It was so obvious to me. Why mm. on earth didn't I mark it? So that's what I do as well. We've got some for example, just some self-sown hollyhocks at the back of the borders. Now, annoyingly, they've not self-sown in the right place. We've got some beautiful deep reds that would look lovely in the hot border. And then there's some pale pinks that are in the hot border, which aren't there. They're in, they're, they're, and sorry, they, they would look better in the cool border. So we're going to be moving those around. And again, in the summer, I went in there, marked them with canes. I also made a video of the border walking along it because I think actually as you, you mentioned photographs and I find that because I've got my phone with me and I can just quickly make a video I will I will do that and that allows me to completely look at the border I mean, it's almost like transforming you back in time you can see what it was like back in July August but you're standing there in November December and you can um as you say lift and divide um and reposition plants. Um, going back to the cedar bed, we've got loads of lovely uh, cyclamen, curumen, hedrofolium in there. Mm, yeah. But, they're, but they're, all, they're all now fragmented. All, there's little seedlings that have um, appeared, but it's all like a real patchwork. And actually the impact of that would look so much nicer um, if they were in a higher density. In, in this case, we put them into a smaller area, but higher density. And I know that they will look lovely come the spring and the autumn. So, um, it's, as you say, the borders are not static at all. They, they are continually, uh, evolving and the herbaceous plants, especially, are, um, spreading out. Um, some, for example, we've had monadas that have in the borders that have run and run and run in the hot border, Cambridge scarlet. I could not keep up with the thing. It was unreal. And then I thought a Rebecca um, that was going to work really well, the, just the classic black-eyed Susan, um, which I've seen in massive big clumps in other gardens, was was very puny. And so those sorts of things, you, you try and echo what you've seen in other gardens, but it's only when you try it in your own situation, bearing in mind the soil type, not just the soil type, but also the location, the microclimate that that border has, um, sometimes things don't work as, as you think they might do and that's just you know part of the fun of it isn't it mm. so i think the key is to just dive in get just mm. get get on with it because i i've met a lot of gardeners in my life who can be very tentative about changing things yeah preserving you know, things in aspect that's it yeah. that, you know or, or just being very nervous at, in case something dies or do you know they do something wrong but mm. actually you'd be surprised how robust plants are when you start playing around with them 
you know and actually in the case of some plants they need to have a little bit of re- renovation okay. to increase their vigor or else they mm. just continuously get worse and worse as the year goes so if you've got a border at home go and have a look at go and have a look at it now if you're listening to this podcast listen to it have a look at your borders and think do you know yeah they, this needs a little bit of a you know freshen up Go and grab some bamboo canes and, and uh, go go and get a list or a spreadsheet if you're that way inclined. St- a list. St- <laughs> start start writing down the things that you think you need. Take that video, like Lucy's yeah. done, and just use all of that to start reimagining the kind of things that you could add to your border. Because you'll be surprised. Just about a ten percent change or a ten percent adding some new plants or or a, mm. a different change of scheme will just make the border look 100% different the next year and really improve things. And it also give you a sense of self-satisfaction and a little bit more confidence to go into a border and change things around. If you see something you've done works, you become a bit more hooked on altering things. But um, yeah, get out there and give it a go. We've reached the end of today's episode and we sincerely hope that you found it informative and entertaining. If you'd like to leave us a review via your podcast provider, we'd be delighted to know your thoughts. While many aspects of the garden year are behind us, there are still plenty of horticultural milestones to mark. So Saul and myself are eager to bring you yet more valuable episodes of the Talking Heads podcast. We're also keen to visit those iconic gardens, large and small, of our peers and friends. With this in mind, you can look forward to an autumn packed full of interviews, road trips, practical advice, and of course, mine and Lucy's opinions on all manner of wide-ranging horticultural topics. We want to ensure that our listeners are kept up to date with what any self-respecting head gardener needs to know. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads... Goodbye! Goodbye!